Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have the second part of a talk I did with Keith Hansen, also known as Visigoth, on his show Think or Be Eaten, about my documentary, Occult of Hollywood. This is the second part of the show. The entirety of our talk can be found on my YouTube channel, William Ramsey Investigates. I also just want to let the public know that my documentary, who is abducting, torturing, and murdering young college-age men in the U.S. and U.K., is available now on Vimeo. All you have to do is go to Vimeo, type in Smiley Face, or type in SFK, or my name, William Ramsey, and it will pop up. I also have some DVDs that are going to be available within the next few weeks. So if you're interested in that, keep an eye out for those. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook, and I should be publishing that. So again, this is the second part of a talk I did with Keith Hansen titled Occult Hollywood, and it's from 2011, so it's about seven years old. Thank you. People look at leaders, wrongfully so, as being, you know, they vote you in because they think you're better than they are. And when they disappoint you, you want them out because you realize they're not. But for those that are beyond just elections and such, I mean, entrenched politicians get there because no matter what happens, they're going to have their seat the next year. And what those people are involved in, it, and it seems like, you know, when jo Joseph Conrad wrote uh, Heart of Darkness, um, right. he, he was right, and he knew something, too, that when, when, when you can set yourselves up as human beings above the law and everything else, basically un gods unto yourselves, you don't, you don't seem to drift over to the, benef the, um, the beneficial or the uh, beneficent. You degrade. You go into right. an absolute downspin into some kind of, like, creature, and that's just, that's the wickedness of the heart that's spoken of in Scripture, you know? So, right. but and you see that all throughout ancient Rome, the, the imperial power, the emperors were some of the most perverse people on earth. Uh, and, you know, you see the same thing that happened, you know, during the Bush administration and some of these other people. I mean, once you peel back the, the, the curtain, I mean, these people are doing everything, dressing up like women. That uh, comes to another movie that I didn't include in my documentary, but it's called Salo, which is a very what I consider to be a very important film, uh, but it's, it's a really rough film to watch. It's based on Marquis de Sade's 100 days, 120 Days of Sodom. It was directed by a guy by the name of Piero Paolo Pasolini. It's an Italian film. And Salo was basically the rump state that came after the downfall of Mussolini. And... Uh, is very corrupt, but the whole film basically details the what happens between uh, the individuals of this kind of city and these people who have total power and what they do, their abuses, the the just de degradation, and uh, it's an amazing film. It's really rough to watch. I don't recommend people uh, turn it on lightly, but I think it's very important because there are times in human history when these type of events happen where these people just literally go crazy with power and uh, get in the kind of weirdest, craziest abuses imaginable. Well, you're right. Now, what's the name of it? And spell that title? It's called Salo. S-A-L-O. Oh, okay. Well, based on uh, the 120 Days of Sodom by uh, Marquis de Sade. But, but that is the condition of the human heart. And I even think about, I mean, you could say it's corny, but I look back to uh, watching the Ten Commandments. And there was a scene, of course, when Jehovah had absented himself. And you remember <laughs> that they use that word G. Robinson as in this is amazing, you know. But anyway, if you remember, I mean, there's a scene where everybody's going crazy. Right. And I was like, I was a kid when I saw it. I'm like, nobody behaves like that. 
you know, come on. But they do. They go, abs- I mean, anything goes. And that, that right. also reminds me of that little seemingly innocent song, you know, that came from a play, Nobody Knows, Anything Goes. Right. I sometimes wonder about that as well. But anyway, um, we're also uh, coming close to the top of the hour, or at least our 60 minutes out of 90. Uh, and again, uh, do you want to tell folks also what they can go to see more about w- which we speak? And are you posting anything uh, on the Occult 9-11 site uh, with regard, or do you plan to with um, you know works you've done, essays you've done, audio you've done? I need to. I've done some yeah. essays that are kind of floating around out there, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to uh, do that. It's just a matter of time. I'm juggling a lot of you know, a lot of different things. So I'm trying to get that done this weekend. So hopefully I'll be able to figure out how to post those references to some of my interviews and some of my, uh, some of the stuff I've written, which you can probably just Google William Ramsey a cold. It'll probably pop up. Oh, by the way, I'm looking at the second page of your outline. I got it in front of me. I just didn't search it to see if you had Salo there. There it is, 1975. Okay, I got you. Uh, but now that you're into this and you got your juices going, uh, isn't it interesting that, in a way, the more you do, the more you find out about, and the more you want to do, and it really becomes a question of where did the time go? Right. I definitely think that. I mean, I I feel like I just scratched the surface on the subject, the general occult Hollywood and everything that, you know, we haven't even talked about films that were suppressed yet. I mean, there's a lot of very important works out there that are not, you know, important to the, uh, that should be seen by the general public, but, you know, are for some reason, not really emphasized and weren't emphasized and were definitely hidden. But uh, there's there's some really uh, fascinating works that, uh, you know, that are out there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I could do a, probably a 10-hour documentary just cutting and showing these insignias of the occult through, through our last 60 years of film history. It's pretty amazing. And it, so often is the case, and, I, and you know, I, w- I would think in these terms as well, uh, when you originally start doing things, you think you can knock them off. And for us, it was like, or for myself, it was like an interview. So we'll do an hour. Was, but then you realize what you're involved in. And it's like, okay, forget, forget this one hour or one documentary or one book thing. Stand back and just block this whole thing out because this is a story that can be probably told, uh, interestingly and factually, basically forever. Right. Now, uh, it all goes comes back to the battle of good and evil, and you know, uh, you, you know, right. it seems like every generation has to confront it, and also confront what's happened in the past. You know, so for me, it's like that's what I'm kind of picking up is what I deem to be the true history of you know our cultural past and political past, and you know the real history. I guess. Uh, do you want to go on to another figure that sure nobody will ever understand, <laughs> and maybe that's best. <laughs> Is that Polanski? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Polanski, definitely a Satanist, uh, involved in all kinds of shenanigans on screen and off screen. Uh, most people know that, you know, his wife Sharon Tate was killed by the Manson family. And, uh, you know, I've been doing some research on them, and it seems like that whole thing that happened up on Cielo Drive was some type of internal say, battle between a variety of different Satan worshippers, frankly. Well, let me ask and, you this, uh, and, and you don't have to go out on a limb here, because um, in, in a sense we don't know him well enough to say this, but did you ever get any kind of feeling, indication, or otherwise, do you think that perhaps he turned his back and let her get sacrificed? Yeah, I kind of did get that feeling, strangely. I, uh, I, Something might have happened. I don't really know, but I've seen him... There was a time where he was interviewed after the event, and 
he did some of the fakest crying I've ever seen on, you know, even convicted murderers can cry and cry better than he did. It just didn't look like he had any remorse and that and this is from like four or five years ago. I'll have to dig that that clip up. But uh yeah. I definitely got that feeling. Well, it always helps too when uh, you know not long after you go ahead and you boink some juvenile, you know. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. a lot. I mean, that's just the one he got caught caught with, by the way. Yeah, you know. So this guy is a serial. You know, it's very interesting. Anyway, so Polanski, he's done a lot of different movies. The the more important ones uh, that have come out. Uh, well, Rosemary's Baby is probably his best known, which deals with uh, this female who. Uh, you know, becomes the bride of the devil and has the Antichrist or whatever. So <clears throat> that in that film, there's a number of occult references. I mean, it's basically open. one of the most intriguing and interesting elements that they put in, that Polanski put in the movies was, uh, and I have it in my uh, documentary, is basically the scene where the husband is with uh, the Mia Farrow character, and she has discovered that this person who's in the Dakota, where John Lennon got shot, and uh, is in the Dakota is the son of an important witch. And so she has this book called All of Them Witches. She's trying to prove it to her husband, who's on the inside, but she doesn't know yet. And uh, he takes the book from her after this long discussion, takes it and puts it up on the bookshelf. Well, it looks very casual, but what's interesting is they take the book and he puts it on top of two other books, one that's written by Alfred Kinsey, and the other is by Sammy Davis, Jr. Now, at a topical level, people wouldn't know what their connection is, but Kinsey is directly traced to Crowley. So here's a person who destroyed the common understanding of sex, and he was a total monster, and uh, Kinsey's personal life was just uh, like something from Salo or Desaad. And then uh, Sammy Davis Jr., who's a member of the Church of Satan, and I have a picture with him you know, being flanked by both Michael Aquino and Anton LaVey. So uh, there's a little nod to... Uh, Satanism by Polanski in that little vignette or scene from Rosemary's Baby. So, also, people the, will find they had I'm a sorry? death. They had a death uh, during that movie. Also, I'm sorry. They had a death in that movie. The crew. When oh, there were, was a death. Yes, there was. Well, there, tell me about it. I, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't heard that one. We, we both have. We'd have to Google it to see if we could find out the story around it. Um, the death was deemed. I don't think. Well, I don't know if they call it suspicious. It'll just say mm, you know unknown. Uh, right. But but somebody in that in that crew died, and I don't know if it was a fall or what. But that was another thing that kind of sullied that whole situation with that movie and both mixing the real and the uh, the supposed unreal. Hmm, interesting. I, I didn't. I'll go I'll look, have to look in that. Yep. I mean, there's just so much there. Frankly, I could probably do a 60 minute uh, detailed analysis of each of those directors: Oliver Stone, Kubrick, and then uh, Polanski. But uh, another of Polanski, you know, he's done a number of movies, but one of the most Luciferian and scary is The Ninth Gate, which is shown on TV quite a bit. It's on AMC a lot. You can kind of tell what the American public is interested in when you watch the American Movie Channel because they play, you know, The Matrix, uh, Enemy of the State, and mm -hmm. The Ninth Gate seemingly <clears throat> frequently. So people are interested in this film, The Ninth Gate. It has Johnny Depp in it. And uh, the symbolism, the satanic sim symbolism is... Over the top. It's basically the entire film is a satanic allegorical journey to enter the ninth gate of the Holy of Holies, which is <clears throat> the entrance into the Temple of Jerusalem, where they keep uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And it seems like, you know, the Satanists always have some fixation through high masonry and masonry in general with 
the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, so, you know, this Johnny Depp character basically is hired by this person named uh, Boris Balkin to find these three books that have uh, pictures on them that were supposedly drafted by Lucifer. And each of those pictures has references to important themes within the satanic mythos. So it's a very important movie once you understand or can you know, get a key to those symbols to understand what's happening or what Satanists and people who are generally in the cult uh, refer to in their own secret doctrine. So you see within um, this book, uh, for example, the lightning strike on tree, which is a uh, very common uh, symbol for the Satans. They kind of invert the whole Genesis story about the, the tree of good and evil, and the, the lightning bolt represents the devil striking the tree and giving it life. life. So they believe that you know the devil is their their the person who's giving them the tree to of knowledge to you know see the world properly, and that's repeated in in Ninth Gate. There's also a guy giving the sign of silence or silence is golden, which is the right hand uh, over your lips, which is you know something that is in that Crowley used a lot. Uh, it's a sign of Harpocrates, the Greek god of silence, and Rahurkrat, who is the Egyptian god of silence. Uh, so you see that similar theme within uh, the Ninth Gate. You also see the chessboard, 8 by 8 and uh, that's something that Satanists use as a symbol for their own intelligence, the use of their human intelligence to, you know, come out on top. So you see that within these, this art that's within uh, this movie. There's also this, uh, the Whore of Babylon. She rides <coughs> the uh, seven-headed beast, and that's depicted within the movie as well. So then you see the seven theme, and, you know, that goes back to Crowley's, Crowley's two sevens, uh, are his representation, which is the number 77, which also is one of the planes within 9-11. Uh, 77, is, half of it is the whore of Babylon, and the other half is the seven, represents the beast. So it's the conjunction of the, the whore of Babylon, beast in Babylon. And you can see that on uh, Crowley's sigil of Babylon. It's, uh, it's a seven, uh, seven-headed or seven-sided star with the 77s in there. So you see that's included within this movie, The Ninth Gate, and also The Hanged Man, which is something from the tarot, uh, Crowley's tarot. So it's just suffused. The whole thing is basically this kind of uh, satanic pilgrim's progress or something like that. It's really, <laughs> that's, a good point. that's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, once you realize what they're really saying, because what happens is Johnny Johnny Depp's character suffuses, you know, basically takes over from this his own boss and then enters into the temple himself, which was what his boss wanted to do or the guy who hired him wanted to do. And it's kind of deceiving because John, here's this Johnny Depp character who you know, has a little baby face. I think he was 34 at the time the film was shot. So it's kind of, it does, you don't quite get this, the kind of griminess of the satanic stuff in there when he's playing it because he looks like, you know, he's 22. But anyway, that's a, that's a very interesting movie and, a movie, and I kind of break down all of the, the different visuals in there uh, in my film. And another one that just came up with, uh, with Polanski is a movie that came out recently, which I didn't include in my outline, but it's called The Ghost Rider. And uh, there's a very important scene within The Ghost Rider that I included in, in my documentary where uh, the Ewan McGregor is the lead character. He's basically... Uh, taking over somebody else who was writing a 
biography for the Prime Minister of England, or former Prime Minister. He turned up dead, so Ewan McGregor's taking over, and he's on this kind of path of discovery. Well, he goes to this guy's house who's friends, or was friends, with the uh, former Prime Minister, and uh, he's played by Lewis Wilkinson, and this, the, the, the discussion between them is incredible. It's something that everybody should see because he, this person, this Lewis Wilkinson's character is basically a symbol. He symbolizes the Anglo-American establishment. So this character went to Yale, Harvard, and Cambridge. He was a member of the Arcadia Society. Well, Arcadia is, uh, you know, the, the principality within Greece where the god Pan lives, which Pan is a representation of Satan. So this guy, they're basically putting him up on the kind of a cult path. He also uh, turns out to be a member of the CIA, <clears throat> and in uh, they're flashing satanic secret signs in this in this sequence. So I definitely recommend everybody watch. I don't want to ruin the whole story, but I definitely recommend this movie, The Ghost Rider, uh, if you have time. And it's it's a good, it's pretty interesting. All right, and we're also talking just so people know that there is not the Ghost Rider; it's the writer. Right. Thank you. I, I, you're right. It no, is the right well, Somebody from New Jersey is allowed to do that, not you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Ghost writer. So anyway, it's a it's a it's a very interesting movie. But I think what's the the import is what the the whoever the writer or the director, you know, Polanski put some incredible insights into this whole discussion between these two parties. And uh, there's a bunch of elevens mentioned. Basically, before the main character Ewan McGregor goes in to discuss uh, the sequence with uh, this guy from Harvard, Yale, and Cambridge, he's reading the old document, and the, the chapter that he's reading is chapter eleven. So, there's your eleven yeah. signal there again. So, it's not there by accident. So that's basically kind of what I deal detailed with Polanski. And there's uh, some other movies. There's an End of Days movie by Schwarzenegger. It was uh, right before nine eleven. Uh, it's fascinating because it includes Prometheus imagery, which I've discussed. There's also some 11s. But one of the most and interesting sequences is he's basically going up against the devil, but there's a sequence where he comes back to his apartment, and in the background is the WTC, and the devil's appeared there. That's the first scene that he sees the devil. So when you see, <clears throat> when you come to understand, like, I think, well, what I argue in my book is basically, you know, the 9-11 event had occult overlays. Uh, it's an important foreshadowing for that when you see the devil with the background of this, you know, mm -hmm. the WTC structure. So it's a fat, it's amazing. Uh, that, that movie grossed about $250 million worldwide, so it was popular. I never saw it until recently. And uh, so, you know, that's it. And then I kind of move on to Angel Heart. There's a reference to 93, Crowley's. Yep. Crowley's 93, there's an eye of Horus in there. You know, Horus is the, he had one of his eyes stabbed out by his brother Set, and Crowley, you know, how Horus was a representation of uh, Lucifer for him. And then there's references to Edward Kelly. Edward Kelly and John Dee were some of the, the 16th century magicians uh, under Elizabeth I. So, you know, there's a lot of magical references there. And then They Live, which is a pretty well-known movie now and kind of a conspiracy and you know uh, what I, mean, I, I, you know what you just you hit me. I think you and I were talking about Carpenter. Uh huh. Is it Carpenter who did that flick? He did. Yes, that's Carpenter, correct. But aren't you the one that told me that he he kind of? I think it was Carpenter was the one you were telling me uh, kind of does this kind of thing. Well, I don't know if I did. maybe back in the day. I don't. 
I don't know. I mean, right. he definitely put that reference of 93 in They Live. I mean, it's right there up on the wall uh, when the two characters walk into mm-hmm. kind of a headquarter there, and it's it's very apparent. I have it in my film. You can see it. Uh, okay. <clears throat> you know, and I'm sure there's stuff I missed, but these are the most glaring right. references to kind of the Crowley, uh, the deeper occult, you know, outside of masonry. Uh, there's a movie called Vantage Point that came out that includes, the, it's like the... The Elevens, the Lone Gunman, conspiracy, basically at the end. You know, there's basically a conspiracy to kill the president, and you never really figure out who did it. But um, I don't want to ruin the whole movie, but there's definitely the Eleven reference. Enemy of the State includes the 9-11 references. There's many Elevens in there as well, which is a very popular movie. It kind of precurses, you know, the surveillance grid, surveillance state. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trading Places, which is by Aaron Russo has some 11s and uh, references to the WTC in there. And I, I consider Aaron Russo pretty well connected. He did Freedom to Fascism. And, uh, you know, he, he <clears throat> had a meeting with uh, one of the Rockefeller family. And the conversations between Russo and Rockefeller kind of are the same or correlative to what we were talking about earlier in this conversation from the Clocks episode of Millennium, where there's two opposing parties, one with you know, who says there's going to be cataclysms and, you know, we're going to run the thing and who cares about the little people. And then there's the guy who says, well, how, you know, why don't you have any empathy? So this, uh, this kind of standard, uh, you know, interplay or discussion seems to happen in and out of uh, the realm of, you know, films and reality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Might be a little too far. And then I include uh, The Wiz. The Wiz is like uh, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, that uh, was kind of like the black or African-American version of The Wizard of Oz. And um, they have their final sequence right there at the center of the WTC. There's a big uh, stat. They used the bronze, the great bronze caryatid and cover it with an OZ. And in Crowley's system, OZ or Oz equals 77. Uh, so you see that occult reference, whether it's there by chance or not. You know, it's up to the viewer to decide, but it's pretty... Amazing when you see this. The center of the Emerald City is this huge occult complex in New York. And then uh, Godspell, like we talked about earlier, has a reference to the center of a plane. So I've included all those things in there. When you put them all together, it's pretty uh, It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, do you have time for a little bit? Uh, can I shoot some stuff at you? Because if, if you've got more to cover, I want you to yeah. do that. Other than that, there are some things I like to bounce off you. Go for it. All right. Uh, you know, one of the things, too, um, as you were speaking... Uh, it reminded me of something. I've been doing a series uh, based on the book written by Leonard Peikoff called uh, The Ominous Parallels and the Inner Freedom um, in America. Right. And one, something that's said in here is the way things really are. And it, it is not good news for human beings. But, again, for the flesh, yeah, it's not good. But this isn't the end of the road. But let me, let me just state this. Cause it, it makes me think of what we saw, uh, you know, even in... Um, even in They Live, the good guys really didn't win at the end, if you think about it. You, you know what I mean? It's, it, right, they revealed, the, they revealed right. The, the whole secret, right? The game was up. And in a few of the movies you just rolled off really quickly, it wasn't necessarily that the good guys win. But what, what uh, um, Pickoff addresses with regard to how the Weimar Republic morphed, uh, mutated into uh, Nazi Germany, um, there was a... Um, I guess a, a philosopher of some merit, Max Weber, I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but 
Probably, yeah. Yeah, but I was floored by the students wanted to hear Max Weber talk. They were like, Max, what should we do? And this is more or less, um, I would think, a paraphrase, but this is what happened, uh, and I'm quoting Peikoff's text. Um, They must not, Weber told the students, be taken in by religious dogmatists or by irrationalist charlatans, left or right, who pretend to offer solution to the world's problems. The fact is, he explained, there are no solutions. Certainty is unattainable by man. Knowledge is provisional. Values are relative. Scholars are merely specialists doing technical jobs detached from life. But, you know, when he, when he finally came out and said there are no solutions. And I, the reason why this hits home to me is because when, I, when, I, when I'm at this point in my show, I came, to me it was, it was really a journey to the eight years doing the radio because I came to a point that I didn't want to come to when I realized that the whole thing is faded. But then you realize in Scripture, not that we're pessimists or doomsday people, but you realize if you want to get into a fistfight, if you want to fight evil, flesh to flesh, you lose. That's the deal. Right. And, you know, and what I'm saying, so when Weber turns around from wherever his head is at, and he says, folks, there's no solutions. It's like, yeah, but people don't want to hear that. And I, I'm at this point right now, and that's, it's been triggered by what you just said, and that is, folks, you know, what do you want me to tell you? The cavalry comes, the Indians run away, you know, the women get and the children get saved. It doesn't work like that. Well, I would say that there are spiritual solutions. I mean, exactly, but not flesh. I mean, I'd say there's spiritual solutions. I would also say that awareness and knowledge and understanding alleviate a lot of the the angst, stresses, yeah. fears, and you know, uncertainties. So when you really get a clearer picture of you know the world, then you're not as surprised or no. disappointed or dejected because you have a better understanding. At least that's where I, I'm coming from. You sure. know, for me, it's been a quest for a long period of time to really get a proper understanding of how the world really works. It's pretty sad to think that I'm at you know a little bit past forty and haven't quite figured it all out yet. So, well, think about uh, all, well, think about all those people who haven't and won't. I mean, even Christians are slow because they still want to see the bad guys get beat up. And they think warfare is okay if you can do that. It's like, no, you don't get it. So when you say there were spiritual solutions, that's it. You have to stay with inside that spiritual boundary. If you want to start, you know, hitting, you're going to lose. Yeah, I would agree with that. No, I would I, agree with that. I mean, I think the spiritual solution is, is the way to go. And I think that, uh, you know, it alleviates all the problems. So, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, you want to try to better, better yourself and, you know, reach those kind of spiritual resolutions, I guess, individually. and uh, But that's the good news. So few, few there be who find it, as it's been said. No, you're absolutely right. Like you said, you know, you're 40 and you feel bad about it. Well, I guess what was I? <laughs> I hit 50. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, this part of my work is like my own research and what I've done in the books and the movies is not merely, you know, put it out, but but have a repository for other people so that there might be some you know, kid who's 16 or 17 that says, I want to, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, at least this will give them two steps up the ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know how long the ladder is, but, you know, somebody can say, okay, so there is something secret going on that I'm not a part of. You know what I mean? Exactly. And yeah, there's proof. There's proof and evidence. If you can, if people can believe it, you know, that's really the next step. Because I talk to people all the day, they can't believe it. They can't believe that 9 is an inside job. They literally cannot believe it. 
you know what's funny? Uh, no, it's not funny. I, why, why we use that term, I don't know. But it's what's strange and weird and everything else. If you think about it, it was a false magician's trick. Because, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, still using video and film and all that other stuff. It was a cheap parlor magician's trick. Bodies don't disappear. Planes don't disappear. I don't care where you crash them into, at what speed. Impossible. Never happened on the planet Earth. And yet that day they sold that stinker. Amazing. Right. And because what is it? Wouldn't you also say, though, William, that part of this is that if you break down the physics of it, you know, aside from all the lies that went out with that, you know, NIST report 1 and 2, the thing is, is like, look, go look for yourself. And when you come to the conclusion that you've been lied to, and this is where we go again, the people look at you, and as uh, Herb Smith and Andy Senior used to say, they hit the second level, which is they've already thought about, oh, my God, my government's bad. Yeah, it is. And live with yeah. it. It's okay. That's the way it goes. They've all been bad. They're, and we were saying that human government is only a failed experiment over and over again. They try. It doesn't work. We have nothing to show that human beings can ever arise to a point by themselves to govern themselves, what would you call it, in a fair manner, whatever it is. And that's because when you threw Jehovah out, that's the way it goes. You left your own. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's it's not that we're looking for, it's not that Christians are looking for destruction and pessimism. It's the point is, it's been clear to me, there's never been anything that human beings did of themselves that ever lasted. And now we're right in that sunset period ourselves. And a lot of people think it's going to come back again. It's not. Um, and so they're going to be confronted with a, with a bunch of very unpleasant truths. But if you know that this isn't the end of the line, that the body may die, but the spirit goes on, don't worry about it. You know, I mean, I, I still do these shows. You'll still do your work. We try to tell people what's going on. But if you think you're going to fist fight somebody or beat them, you know, and go through this Red Dawn thing, you know, where you're going to shoot the bad guys and you win, uh, no, it ain't going to happen that way. Yeah. No, you're gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be very successful. I think that, you know, in a temporal sense, is to recognize that you're going into kind of a, an evil surveillance, debt, debt-based system of control, right. mm-hmm. and to try to avoid getting into that as much as possible. Um, you know, and everybody has to follow their own, what their own, you know, what the spirit is advising them, but. You know, you definitely don't want to subject your kids to that because it's just greater and greater control yep. down to a minuscule level. You can just see that in the TSA, which is absolutely insane. I mean, that's just a total <laughs> joke. Like, oh, no. <laughs> I saw this video of them, like, trying to, you know, <clears throat> there's a three-year-old kid. I mean, what, who's going to, like, uh, I'm going to go on a travel. I'm going to hook a bomb up to my son and get on a plane or something. I mean, is that just a crazy? Well, what they would it's say is, absolutely well, they're saying anything is possible. That's the case. I tell you, I only just call the whole damn thing off. Yeah, I agree. If anything's possible, and what's your risk? I mean, it's just it's just doesn't make. I mean, even the most <laughs> basic sense of rationality applied to that situation, and the whole rationale just falls. That's actually that's probably like half of the in- existing institutions in the world. Actually, if you applied just fundamental rationality, they would just their 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 reason for existence would uh, you know, know. evaporate anyway. Oh, well, I want to hit you with this. By the way, I have two solutions to the pat-down, but not on this show. (laughs) I don't want to do that to you. But I got one last thing to hit you with. But was there something else on your mind? Well, I just was going to go through the last bit of the thing is the suppressed films. Oh, yeah, yeah, Uh, definitely. Okay. I mean, the only thing, there's like some films that were suppressed. Uh, Manchurian Candidate was one of the most important, 1962. John Frankenheimer, director. Uh, 
there's like it's basically about mind control, and there's some 11s in there. So clearly he he was linked into something. Um, and one of the interesting strange synchronicities is Robert Kennedy went to a party at Frankenheimer's house, 1968. Sharon Tate was there. The next day, Robert Kennedy, you know, gets killed by Sirhan Sirhan, a clear uh, mind control patsy. I mean, if you read in about the story, I don't go into great detail, but Sirhan Sirhan had had a uh, serious brain injury when he was a horse jockey. He was a pers- small person. I think he was somewhere between 5'2 and 5'4. And uh, he, was pro- he was on that spectrum of hypnotized individuals where some people really cannot be hypnotized, but he was like uh, one of the easiest and most hypnotizable subjects uh, somebody had ever studied when they went to, to the jail. So, you know, he doesn't even remember what happened. So that's Manchurian Candidate. And then a very important bo- uh, film that I think that everybody should watch is called Parallax View. Yes. Uh, that was by a director, Alan Pakula, and uh, it basically is a, an honest assessment of American pot, uh, as an honest assessment of American political life as I've seen, which basically details a political assassination. And uh, it's a it's an amazing film. There's right on the intro. There's an eleven there, so I don't you know I don't know how that got into that, but uh, I definitely recommend uh, that film. The New Manchurian Candidate also has the 11s in it. It's also, uh, you know, at Denzel Washington, a lot of stars. It was done in 2004. It's, it's a much clumsier version of the 1962 version. And uh, there's some interesting points. I know that one of your earlier shows that you'd done the last couple of weeks talked about video manipulation in the very end yeah. uh, of the film. They basically manipulate, video manipulate the Denzel Washington carrier, car, uh, character out of the film. And while they're doing so, there's basically an 11 on the screen right there. So it's like the magic of video manipulation right there. So it kind of reaffirms what you guys were talking about on that earlier show. And then uh, a clearly suppressed film is Good Shepherd. Uh, Huge A-level stars were in it. Matt Damon, Angelina Jolie, uh, directed by uh, Robert De Niro. Talks about Skull and Bones, the Anglo-American establishment. So I kind of just go into that as well. You know, the, the Good Shepherd. I watched and I watched it twice. But I'll tell you, it is it is nerve-wracking for me because that soundtrack. They they do all this whispering and stuff, and I'm like, I, I, I'm I mean, not that I'm hard of hearing. It's just that everything was kind of like muted. I'm like, what? You know, come on. I mean, I, I can follow it for the most part because I understand what's going on. I, I almost wish though it just seemed everything was in hushed secrecy, which in a way it is. But um. You know, I, 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 I get really frustrated trying to watch it for what they all were trying to tell. It, to me, it's a, a pretty scrambled uh, storyline, but still in all, yeah, I mean, it's based on the truth, and you and I know it. Yeah. And the, the so, other- I mean, it is. I would say it's, uh, I think they're just trying to capture that old, and I, like one of the most salient moments there is where, you know, he's talking to a guy from the mob, and they need the help from the mob, and, you know, he basically said, you know, this uh, Joe Pesci character asked Matt Damon, you know, what do you got? We have this. All of our people have this. What do you guys have? And uh, Matt Damon's character responds, "We have our country, and you're all just visiting." You know, so <laughs> you kind of get that ex- absolutely exclusionary <laughs> attitude from this, you know, Anglo-American establishment type character. So, but isn't it interesting uh, that, that that? And I'll take <coughs> I'll take the 1962 version of Manchurian Candidate over the, the new one. Absolutely, and, I would too. And consider when it was shown, 1962. Yeah, you know, and I mean, 
I, who was the guy that did that? He's the one that writes the... Uh, Richard Condon. There you go. Uh, the spy stuff and everything. But he was right on. He knew exactly what was going on. This Absolutely. was based on experiments both here and in... Well, it's, everybody has a Manchurian candidate program going no matter where you are. And yet, you know, and people took this as fiction, but he was giving you the straight skinny. And then what Absolutely. happens? Yeah. And then afterwards, we have a string of MK Ultra assassins. Absolutely. You know, and it's that's, amazing. That's why it's important. It's, that's why it was suppressed. I mean, and it, I think that sequence where the, the intro sequence that take place, takes place in Manchuria with the candidates where they're switching between the old ladies and the, the flower sequence yes, and then yep. all these hardline communist apparatchiks is one of the most brilliant scenes in all of American filmmaking. I mean, it's, it's so great. You're right. I just really admire that film. And it also told you about what politics is really like. How, yeah. you, how you get somebody to be successful. I mean, they tell you right there. And, of course, in 62, people aren't really paying attention. They go, ho, 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 that's really funny. You know, that's just, you know, it's kind of like a fiction thing, so don't worry about it. No, he told you the truth. And the other thing I'm going through now, by the way, I mean, not only do we have Sirhan Sirhan as a patsy, uh, that we, when you have more uh, rounds that, that could have been fired by Sirhan Sirhan, and then I get into the uh, assassination attempt on Wallace, same damn thing. You got Bremer coming right. down from Wisconsin. You've got right. what? Five people shot by how many bullets? Eleven yeah. bullets. You know, thirteen wounds, or something like that. And he's got a five-shot thirty-eight. Come yeah. on, man. And it's the same thing. Look at uh, Chapman and Lennon. I heard there were more bullets. Yeah. You know that were shot than available. So Chapman's clearly a mind-controlled patsy. And that actually brings us full circle back to Kenneth Anger because Kenneth Anger had a connection to John. Uh, to Chapman. So, you know, that was interesting in that article that you sent me. Uh, it basically details how Anger had some kind of connection to that guy. So, yeah, these mind controlled patsies, they exist. The guys who shot Reagan, what was his name? Uh, Hinckley. Hinckley, thank you. So, yeah, so you know that's, why, that's why Manchurian Candidate is very important. Do you know who Hinckley was related to? He was related to yeah, his father, who was friends with Bush, right? Yeah, his parents were, were Bush backers. His yeah, older brother, people. his older right. brother was tight with um, what was it, Neil Bush? Neil, yeah, I think so. But you know, they were, they were having dinner. The family, I think Neil Bush was having dinner with the family the day before the shooting, was, right? And Something you know, like that. And then people will go, "Well, how could they give up their sons?" And that's what that's. And then we say, "That's what they are. That's what they're about." They don't care. They, I mean, they're, they're ice monsters. And so, yeah. by the way, he's out now and uh, probably hidden somewhere away in the Hinckley family. But he's, he's gone from his, uh, his uh, detention, if you will. Uh, one yeah, last... you know, they might have just known he was the, weird, the strange one yeah. in the family or something and gave him, him up. up. Who, Who knows? Crap? That's right. Nobody yeah. cares. And, and I'll, I'll just throw one other thing out with movies that I think fit in with what you're doing. And this also goes back to, we, you know, why do tigers eat their young? And this goes to Winter Kills. Do you remember that movie? I've never even heard of that. What's that? Well, you got to get your hands on it. If you don't, I'll send you it down. All right, Winter Kills. Winter Kills. Uh, the okay. characters are John Huston and Jeff Bridges. Uh, you can do an easy uh, search anywhere, and you'll pop that thing up. That is, baldly, a reference to Kennedy be given up by his old man Joe. Um, for certain reasons and promises and things you didn't do. Uh, you, yeah, you got to see it. I'll tell you what. That's another one that, that definitely belongs in that category. And that's what they were telling you. You know, John Euston playing Joe Kennedy, the old nasty guy. 
Hey, you kill gotcha. my son, it's business. <laughs> right, and he was a he was a bastard. Oh man. The father was a real bastard. What is, that's another ice monster. Yeah, the Kennedy, that's what, that, the whole thing is just really bizarre. You know, the whole Kennedy mythos of, like, the first family was fake, that the kids barely ever saw their dad. All those pictures were, like, you know, the, the one or two times they would see him a year or something like that. They were just raised in prep schools and at elite universities, but they really didn't have that much of a connection to their father. But it, but it seems that's what happens. You know, the privileged also pay a price, and if they ever had any blood in their veins... You can understand why it was drained, except I will say this, that I think probably JFK, look, he, he was a bastard. He, he knew the way the deal was. He saw what his father did. They all know yeah. the way the world ran. But I actually do believe that he hiccuped and said, I can't do this, much like Lincoln did. In Absolutely. His own. Yeah. And it was no like, doubt. I mean, he, he, the, the thing about Kennedy that was different than his dad is that the son had been through the war and seen everybody die. He was one that barely made it through. So... For me, that's how what deeply affected him, and then he yeah, had all these yeah, hawks surrounding him, and that was it. Yeah, and maybe for another day, and I've done some of this stuff a long time ago with Adam Go Rightly, but I also wonder too, and I mean, this is something where you know, in a way, you don't want to seem like sorted by by looking at it, but there's something that's also struck me about the what would you call it the um, the complete occult guide to the killing of the king, meaning presence and such. And when I look at all the characters that were in and around Dallas, it was a celebration. I mean, this thing was an event. It was almost like a, it was almost like a bowl game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, that's, that's what uh, Howard Hunt called it—the big event. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's almost like in a, in the true occult sense, according to the primer on these things, you must have three assassins. You know, it goes back to the whole story about who killed uh, Osiris. There right. were the, right there were three assassins and. Uh, you know, and it had to be a headshot and all that other stuff. I'll tell you what, it's like, it really makes me think about that. It makes me think about the real assassination of Caesar. You know, weren't there three involved in that and such or such? I mean, I'm not getting hung up on this stuff, but it's almost like when you really have a truly decent leader and you want to get rid of him, you got to do it the right way. You know what I mean? Whereas with Nixon, yeah. he was an idiot, so they spanked him and sent him home. Right, right. There was no headshot. Yeah, he was a lackey from the beginning. He was always that. He, I know, he was a mess, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you kind of feel sorry for him. He was—he's kind of like an Obama figure, kind of this pathetic outsider. I tell you what, he was, you know what they used to call him in law school? They called him old iron ass because all he did is just sit in the library and read books all day. And he—I mean, his 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 personality was very interesting. You know, he was—he was just he did okay. He was not telegenic. We understand that, but still, in all, he is the kind of guy. Honestly, if I was in the Sahara Desert and he was trying to sell me a glass of water, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yes, I agree. I'm no crook. Yes, you are, Dick. <laughs> so, just one more movie. You know, oh, you gosh. had one. There's another movie called Executive Action. Action, yep. Yeah, that is an interesting movie, too, which I didn't include, but it's worth a You're watch. Right. It yeah. has uh, Fred Lancaster, Burt Lancaster. But there's all kinds of themes about the analysis of the killing of Kennedy and also kind of eugenics, uh, you know, world population control discussions like, it's it's something else. And you know, I definitely would recommend that film. Do you remember off the top of your head that was a 70s movie? I think it was. Yeah, 1973. You know, I tell you what, there was a spate of movies. That, there was a spate of movies that came out at that time. Parallax View, I believe, also was 70. Was it not 70s? Something like that. Yeah. yeah let me check it out. Because when I look back, I'm a little surprised at some of the stuff that came out then when I wasn't paying attention. 1974. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting, the stuff that Warren came out. Warren Beatty. Yep. 
So uh, I don't know why they did that, but I, maybe it was a catharsis and or a warning of what was to come. But there were some really, yeah, some of those movies are really sweet that were made at that time. Well, I mean, here, look at the, I mean, if you look at the, the Parallax Views poster, I mean, you have this killing, the, the whole movie is basically about political killing, and it says on the top, as American as apple pie. I mean, it is just amazing. I mean, you have to see some of these, those, these movie posters are great. As American as, and the other, the other movie poster for Parallax View says, he knew too much. <laughs> so, I mean, you see these same things. These are the same things people are going through now. I mean, it's all been there. It's just been history that's lost um, or unco- uh, you know, covered up um, I, I got and unemphasized. Well, you know, I got into a, uh, an exchange with someone. I said, listen, okay, let's just get this straight. For you who, who hear something that you're not comfortable with or didn't hear or read before and immediately knee-jerk react, react like a Pavlovian subject, which you are, oh, that's conspiracy theory. Did you ever th- th- think at any time that you have been subject to suppressed history, suppressed news, that we've very much been propagandized ourselves, and those of us who are avarice readers, like these people all say, they take in so much information, if you take in a lot of sludge, all you've got is sludge. And that's what they've done. And they never consider this kind of stuff, and it's right out there, right in their face, and yet, they, they, you know, it's it's an amazing situation. You talk about public school education. I mean, it's just garbage. All of the, the... Liberal arts in public schools should be, you know, thrown away. It's just absolute mind control. You have to, I mean, some, most people right now are in a battle to overcome that barrier that people have put in their brains, you know. It's crazy. Well, obviously that was the main objective, and that was accomplished yeah. in this country when uh, they gave uh, the education system over to the boys from the University of Chicago to include Dewey and, and Bloom and others. Yeah, um, yeah. Very interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything that goes back to the University of Chicago or Yale, you got it. That's red, it. red flag. Beep beep. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely an incubator for some really, uh, shall we say, interesting uh, ideas. Yeah. All right, William Ramsey, we thank you for being with us, doing a little overtime, and I appreciate it. Um, what I was going to throw at you later on was, um, if we're a Christian country, then somebody explain DC to me. But that'll be for another time, <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> I know, I know, oh, I know. There you go. I tell you, it's explain to me the Washington Monument. <laughs> oh, and we, it gets oh, better. Man. Oh, without a doubt. Oh. And, and Georgie was sitting up on the hill, and Mount Vernon didn't notice what was going on. So yeah, okay. Yeah. All righty. Right. Yeah, what's Columbia, by the way? Okay. <laughs> I know. And why is the lady? Oh, here's what I did want to close out with you. Uh, you said as American as apple pies. You say that. That's what it said. That's okay. what it said on the uh, poster for Parallax View. Take in consideration the assassinations uh, or, and or attempts that, we, that are really admitted to and then factor in the other ones that are suppressed, like William Henry Harris, yeah, cold in 30 days. No, not really. Uh, and, and, and just take a look at the spate between 65, 1865 and like 1901. You know, how many years are we looking at there? Um, 36? 36. 36. And we had four presidents offed. Do I have that yeah. right? Maybe three. <laughs> but who's counting? Yeah, got... and I heard Wilson was poisoned. I mean, they basically put through the Federal Reserve, and then he suddenly got sick. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. That, that boy's uh, got... History has, to, history has to be rewritten. <laughs> well, we got... Lincoln gets whacked in 65, Garfield gets whacked in 81, and McKinley gets whacked in 01. 
Yeah, so there's only three. What is, I'm, I'm surprised. But anyway, I mean, and can you take a look at a country that's supposed to be civilized and say how in the world, you know, within that time span that you have three heads of state successfully knocked off by, of course, lone gunmen? Uh, come on, folks. It doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? You have to, that, that's why parallax view is so important because they have the same kind of commission structure and they all, I mean, the conclusion, I have it in my film, you know, we've come to the conclusion that so-and-so-and-so acted alone due to, you know, and obviously they found out, you know, he's crazy and he had some irrational traits, just like every other one. Well, uh, then that would only mean to me that, that, that um, insane maniacs in the United States just have a great success rate at killing heads of state. That's amazing. <laughs> so, okay, I got you. Uh, but uh, Phelps, <laughs> Phelps and I years ago did a, a series called Pop Go the Presidents. Oh, and man. we and we took a look at you know those who that aren't supposed to be like uh, Zachary Taylor's poisoning. Well, uh, his the arsenic in his system was well, it was usual. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, why, your records. I mean, the, the likelihood of why would you want to be president? Your likelihood of getting shot are so high. Only if Dying. you change your mind. That's the deal. If you play ball, nothing's going to happen to you. See parallax view. The, the, All right. One of the scenes that I took out of there, he says. They call me independent. Some people say I'm independent for my own good, and then he gets, he gets shot immediately. <laughs> I mean, I'm not joking. That's the line. Yeah, Some people know. say I'm independent for my own good. That's how the movie starts. This is why we miss Monty Python. What's that? This is why we miss Monty Python. Yeah, for sure. I mean, can you imagine what they would do with that? I mean, it's oh, true. Oh, Lord. Be great. All right, listen, thanks for being with us uh, during this holiday as well. Uh, really appreciated it. And I know you're going to be seeing uh, Randy sometime in the near future. So uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get together again. For sure. Definitely. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, you take care. Have a good one.